who's ready to get annihilated. I got annihilated last night, and to be honest, I'm feeling it today. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to another mini-pod from us, the pod people. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm joined by those good sweet boys, the boys you love so much. It's your boy! Ben Sheets, that's that's who that was. And it's your the boy here. And that's Eugene Lundeen, and don't we love him so much? Uh, I'm just, I'm the wild card of the group. I'm just such a character. A loose uh, cannon. The loose cannon, always always going off in tirades, throwing shit around. The t-shirt you know? cannon. The t- yeah, shooting you guys with t-shirt cannons. I'm a real character. Most groups have like a good cop and a bad cop. I say we are, we're three bad cops. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were thinking of calling our show three bad cops but <laughs> we thought that would be a little bit misleading yeah right people think we're, we're a political podcast god forbid <laughs> we never talk about politics on this show <laughs> well today we're coming at you with a review of the new alex garland film annihilation just dropped a couple of days ago at the time of this recording um and we all went and saw it on opening day not not too bad of a theater experience. They showed about 20 trailers <laughs> yeah. before the movie. God, that's the one thing I always forget since it's not often we go over to the theaters, but man, the trailers, they just stuff more and more I don't, every single time. I don't know if I've ever seen that many trailers at one movie. <laughs> yeah, there were it's so an excessive many. amount. In fairness, when we go to movies, we usually go to our local theaters like the Oriental or the downer and they're usually just showing like two or three trailers for like indie movies that are coming within the next couple of months and then we fucking go to the mall and they show the most trailers anybody's ever seen yeah we did get one of the greatest trailer scenes i've ever seen Uh, oh yeah Uh, (laughs) yes it's fantastic the trailer for uh sicario 2 um, Soldado. And they they started, you know, really moody and atmospheric. First shot we get of Benicio Del Toro. He has a pistol in his hand. And uh, do you guys remember the line he says before he shoots? I have no Because uh, what I, he does next say. is... Yeah, because think, what he does after that is so amazing. I think Eugene actually mentioned that oh, on, yeah, I had uh, seen, on a former episode, but uh, this is the first time I had ever seen right, this trailer. I had seen the trailer on Facebook or something, and I laughed out loud when it happened. Yeah, so Benicio uses both pointer fingers to just mash on the trigger as yeah. fast as possible. If it's, any of you have ever played a light gun game, House of the Dead, or Time Crisis, you will know this <laughs> technique. And he applies it. Where you hold the gun with one hand and you use the other hand to mash on the trigger really fast. It's like some video game shit, and all three of us burst out laughing. Yeah, no one else in the theater no thought one it was else funny. Did. We were the only ones in the entire theater who found that funny, and I... Don't know whether that's from lack of self-awareness or what. I I felt very awkward afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I get... Well, one thing, I totally forgot the fact that it was opening night because it was a pretty... Pretty empty theater. Well, I mean, we went at like 3.40 in the afternoon, so... Yeah, that, that could be peak times. Even then, yeah, it seems this movie, unfortunately, 
just uh, isn't hitting success in the box office. Much like Blade Runner, it's one of those high concept sci-fi films that might be a bit too much to absorb for some. It's, de- it's definitely not what it advertises. Yeah, or what oh, yeah. it's been. I think it was marketed itself. pretty badly. Uh, they kind of pushed it as an action horror movie, right? Well, they have that final shot with Natalie Portman just shooting her gun like crazy, and I mean, people do shoot their guns, but it's nothing. Close it's not to an action what, movie. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like. If you've seen Ex Machina and you're familiar with Alex Garland, like, at least for me, I did not watch that trailer and think, like, oh, this is going to be an action movie. Like, I I think we all had a much better idea of what to expect yeah. when we went into that. But yeah. context for for normies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, certainly a thing that helped me a lot was, uh, Matisse, you've actually read the series these, yes. uh, this uh, movie is based off of. This movie is based on the first book in Jeff Vandermeer's Southern Reach trilogy. Um, I have read all three uh, recently, um, sort of in preparation for this movie, because I actually saw the the preview first, got really intrigued, and picked up the books. And they're excellent. Alex Garland has only read the first of the three, um, so this is a a very loose adaptation of that first book, so I'm going to try to not be that guy and throughout this review refer too much to the book. I probably will a couple of times, but I'm not, I'm not, it's a loose adaptation because it kind of has to be. Um, that kind of poses a bigger question I have for you guys, though. How influenced by original material should adaptations or remakes be? Because I think of, you know, like Werner Herzog's Bad Lieutenant in preparation for that movie, which is essentially kind of a remake of Abel Ferrara's Bad Lieutenant, Werner Herzog went out of his way not to watch the original. There's there's a whole spectrum to remakes and adaptations. Like, on one hand, you have that, and the other hand, you have, like, Funny Games US, where it's, like, a shot-for-shot oh, yeah. remake. Yeah, I, I think it depends pretty heavily on the source material. This is my biggest problem with a lot of film adaptations of literature, is that you get a totally different experience from reading something than you do from watching something, because it's uh, very subject to your imagination, and you spend a lot more time with it, so it has time to examine, like, characters, internal conflicts and stuff, stuff that you can't, like, narrate in a film. So it really depends on the source material how you should approach the the cinematic adaptation. Some things are good for just, like, a literal translation, but others you kind of have to, like, grasp the spirit of the source material and change things to make it well adapted for the screen. And that's what I feel like... Alex Garland yeah. has done with I mean, I would, I would say usually with like cross medium adaptations, they're better off grabbing the spirit yeah. of the, the work. Because you, you have to, by the nature of the medium, you have to condense it. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that doesn't work. Oftentimes that doesn't work if you try to do it too literally. Um, you end up just getting like little snippets of, of things in the original that don't make a whole lot of sense in the context of the film because it's like, oh, well, it's in the book, so we have to put it in there. And it's like, no, that's not really true. You don't have to. That's how I feel about Annihilation. Like, 
a lot of the stuff in the book is very, very difficult, if not impossible, to adapt to the screen, especially with the way it's told and the characters and stuff like that. So I think Alex Garland did a good a good job of grasping what the book is getting at without adapting it 100% literally. Right. My feeling is that an adaptation should stand on its own legs, but it should never be meant as a replacement to its source material. That if you enjoy the movie, however it's being adapted, that you'll want to seek out the original um, material as well because it, right. was, it was still good on it that should basis. should complement the source <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. It should complement it. And... Uh, me, I never read the books. I never even heard about them until I saw a trailer for the movie. I think this is one of those films that it stands up on its own, but we for will sure. uh, be talking about all those things. Yes, uh, let's jump into it. So for those who are not familiar, the basic premise of Annihilation is three years prior to when the movie takes place, something uh, crashed into a lighthouse on the Florida coast, and in that time... A mysterious bubble of uh, something has been radiating out from that point and growing, creating a zone that they refer to as the Shimmer, within which uh, plant life and animal life is mutating in uh, strange and horrifying ways. And nobody who's ever ventured in has come back. In this story, we are following a team of five scientists, all women, who uh, are trying to make their way to the lighthouse to discover the source of the shimmer. It stars Natalie Portman as the as the protagonist, and uh, the team also features uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh as the team's leader. And uh, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, and oh man, I feel bad. What's that? What's the last person's? Uh, Tuva Novotny? Novotny? I looked her up, and I've never seen her in anything else. And uh, the other one. And the other one. I feel bad though. <laughs> I think she's she's actually she's actually one of the better ones in the movie. I think so. Right, I, yeah. Well, I yeah I didn't really recognize a whole lot of the. I know Gina Rodriguez. She plays Jane on Jane the Virgin. Never yeah, watched that I had show. never seen that yeah. show. I I only recognize Tessa Thompson because she I saw her in the trailers for Thor Ragnarok. And she's in Westworld too. She's in the last few episodes of Westworld. Oh, she is? Oh yeah, shit. She's I the she's the the board lady who uh who comes into the park about halfway through oh. and who's uh scheming against Anthony Hopkins. Okay, character. damn. That's beside I, the I point. That's that. where I, that's where I recognized her from. All right, but uh, certainly the big two big stars of the movie are Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee. Natalie yes. Portman is the main character who is a scientist or a biologist. A biologist at John Hopkins, but she's also she was also in the army, so every other team that's been sent into the Shimmer has been lost. None of them have returned. Except Natalie Portman's husband, who is played by Oscar Isaac. After being missing for a year presumed dead. Of course, Natalie Portman doesn't know anything about the mission that he had been drafted for or had volunteered for. Uh, he shows up out of the blue, doesn't remember how he got there or what's happened to him over the last year, and then he begins uh, seizing and throwing up blood. And in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, they are... Uh, abducted by a shady or shadowy government organization called the Southern Reach and taken to Area X, which is the the base that's set up on the outskirts of the Shimmer, which 
I did think was weird because in the book, it, the Shimmer itself is called Area X. In this, they call the base that. I guess it's like Area 51. Like, that's a, a really yeah. minor thing. I think the, the or Area X is like, a, what I liked about that in the books is that it's like a, it's a very strict, like, government designation, you know? This movie reminds me a lot of Stalker by Andre Tarkovsky. Yeah, uh, I was very getting similar, a whole, uh, whole very lot of similar plot, but in that, it's called The Zone. These similar mysterious areas where uh, crazy shit happens. Yeah, and in uh, reference to Stalker as well, not just in terms of uh, location or the setting, but visually, this is one of the the prettiest films I think I've seen in a very long time. Oh, yeah. I think we'll be talking about that through the the course of this, but the the visuals are really, really the standout. Let's get back to the beginning for a second, though, because... I, I don't know about you guys, but up until the point where Oscar Isaac first comes out, the movie really kind of crawls. Yeah, I I would say the the setup is, uh, I would describe it as clumsy. You really get a lot of Natalie Portman moping around her house. Yeah, it's obviously there to show she's still reeling over the disappearance of her husband. There's a lot of flashbacks in the beginning to yeah. before he left. It's mostly in just like the day before he leaves and they're just like hanging out and talking in bed and stuff. What I did find kind of frustrating is that she even makes a point. She's like, what do you think I do when you're gone? Do you think I just like hang out in the garden like pining for your return? then that's 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 exactly exactly what she does well the very beginning it starts with her in uh like an interrogation room oh yes right uh, after all the events of the movie being interviewed by benedict wong in a hazmat suit he looked really like his stance or something like his arms were too wide out he looked like a starfish or something to me (laughs) he he looked like he looked a bit like the michelin man i thought (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay that's yeah that's a much better (laughs) Um, yeah, so, and then it jumps into all this stuff, so, like, there's there's a lot of non-linear storytelling going on at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, well, which, okay, in the beginning, he mentions that she had been in there for, like... Four months. Four months. Yeah. And they never bring up the time distortions again. That is a good uh, point. Well, no, 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 that's not true. When they when they first enter the Shimmer, it cuts to them, or it cuts to Natalie Portman waking up in her tent, and they all sort of convene, and they're like, oh, well, based on our food supplies, we've been in here for about four days, but do any of you remember that at oh, all? I, I thought that's what you were referring to, I, but I think after that point... There's never another uh, situation where they say, how long has it been, or anything like that. No other bigger time leaps, at least none that are um, acknowledged once they get into the shimmer. And maybe that's just because they have no way of actually telling what day it is outside. Sure, well, I think that's because it's like, that's the first weird thing they they notice, and after that, it's... <laughs> there's, there's so much the shimmer. The shit. shimmer starts affecting them in much more dramatic ways, I think, so that's probably why the, the time... I just felt lost. like the time distortions were kind of clumsy, because they, they bring it up once, but never really emphasize it again and that that section where they mention that is kind of in the section where they first go into the shimmer yeah where it's kind of clumsy they start setting up the shimmer and setting up all of these scientist characters yeah the the character the character setup is uh 
is not not great. Yeah, well, I think part of it is just because the the dialogue they use to set up all of the characters is not good. Right. Well, uh, you have that scene uh, where you're at the base with the four characters kind of sitting at a picnic table almost just uh, telling uh, Natalie Portman who they are. Yeah, very very expository. This is, that's one of the issues, one of the only issues I have with this film, I think. Visually, it's great. Uh, In terms of concept, it's fantastic. But the dialogue in the film, I was having trouble getting along with it. I felt a lot of it was just sort of on the nose, or oh, especially in the beginning, once uh, yeah. once they get into the shimmer, it, it improves. But you still I think, have you but... still have sprinkles of it. Uh, sure. One, well, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's there's a conversation that occurs between Natalie Portman and um, uh, the the other one, and <laughs> the one yeah, we couldn't remember one. the name of. They're sort of trying to wrap around this uh, one of the concepts of the movie about. Uh, self-destructive behavior in humans. Yeah, all that stuff was a little bit on the nose. Right. And it's because it's something that's never really discussed before or after. It's just like, oh, all of us are running from something. Like, uh, Gina Rodriguez used to be an addict. Tessa Thompson cuts herself. Uh, I uh, had a daughter who died of leukemia, and it ruined my marriage. such a fucking hammy thing to add to the movie. Right. Like, I wouldn't. I don't mind these things in and of themselves, but the way they set that up and then just sort of never talk they don't about it. it. They, they don't explore it anymore. Like honestly, if they're gonna lean on the flashbacks thing, I would have rather seen these things about these characters through brief flashbacks where it's not so much just people telling things to Natalie Portman. Like I get that she's the protagonist. But it sets up too much exposition because we don't see things. We don't see this I character wish development. We didn't have any flashbacks at all. I think most of the Natalie Portman flashbacks are pretty clumsy and take away from a lot of the film. I mean, think about the 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 infidelity scene with yes, Natalie that's, Portman. Uh, that's that, Natalie Portman. They, Try to hammer home Natalie Portman's self destructiveness in the movie by showing. Uh, the affair she has with her one, coworker, the her one who co-workers. invites her to the barbecue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so she's having sex with him, and then immediately afterwards, she gets all moody and tells him to leave. It, yeah, it all just feels very unnecessary. It's honestly. it's implied that Oscar Isaac knows about the affair, and that's why he volunteers for what is essentially a suicide mission. And so there's sort of that the guilt from Natalie Portman that she sort of feels responsible for driving him into this situation. And that's why she feels like she has to go into the shimmer to to discover something to save him, because essentially he's he's dying. We sort of jumped over that when when they get to the Southern Reach uh, Jennifer Jason Lee explains like what's going on with Oscar Isaac, like sets up the shimmer, all of this stuff. And so Natalie Portland sa- Portman says, well, I'm a biologist. So if you like, let me go on your expedition and maybe I can help uh, yeah. my husband well, or something. More importantly than just being a biologist, they emphasize that she is a cell reproduction expert. I think we should, I we've been dwelling a lot on the, sort of the worst part of the movie which is the setup which in the grand scheme of things is not that 
bad. I think we should start talking about some of yeah, the, so the, the, movie the great really, stuff. Really picks up. I would say about forty-five minutes in. I don't think it's quite that long. I would say like thirty minutes in. Once we get the alligator scene, I would say. I would picks say. Up. I would say once uh, my my interest definitely was piqued much more once they entered the shimmer, which is visually uh, excellent. It's yeah, this like, is uh, this might be one of the brightest movies I've seen in a very long time. Most colorful. Yeah, most colorful for sure. Flushed with light and color everywhere, which just it looks fantastic well the it shimmer would, itself is like uh looks wind, like an oil stain like like an oil <laughs> slick on water that's just like in this big wall right. this like rippling moving wall and once they're inside it like there's color fucking everywhere aside from it just being like in a very naturally pretty part it's in like a national park in florida or something yeah, but like, like the blackwoods the the sunbeams that come through the trees are all rainbow colored and it's like subtle it's not too in your face but man it's really really gorgeous it's like the, all the light is being like refracted through a prism or something which uh is something they do discuss later in the movie but uh yeah at that at that point it's like the visuals just totally take over yeah, yeah. and we see that the area inside the shimmer is different it's not like the rest of um the the forest around them that there seems to be something within this shimmer that's altering the plant life and the animal life flowers are changing buds and petals like multiple species of flowers growing from the same vine stuff like that and we we mentioned an alligator like this alligator has shark teeth and it, that that's a that was that was a, a great first creature to see and yeah uh, that's the first real uh, action we get is uh right they they stop and explore this shack near the water and Tessa Thompson goes inside explorers comes out and as she's about to tell him oh there was nothing in there she gets grabbed back in yeah, it's like a partially talk- sunken like boathouse right yeah at first I thought that whatever attacked her they wouldn't show because it would be a bigger like maybe oh there's some like giant creature that lives in here but nope it's just an alligator it's with- an enormous Enormous, an enormous albino alligator with like shark's teeth. Shark's teeth, but it also has like, like circular teeth in like the middle in its, of its throat. Mouth. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, great creature design. You know, just sort of like elevating uh, an already very scary. Creature. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, I it's, have a huge phobia of alligators, so that was a uh, that was a very visceral scene for me. Yeah, it's just it's an alligator, but with more teeth. But with way <laughs> more teeth and <laughs> way bigger. And yeah, Natalie Portman, uh, her military training kicks in and she shoots it a bunch and then they're uh, examining it and she takes some DNA samples and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like at this point where they realize that something is, is happening, uh, within the shimmer that is radically and very quickly altering the DNA of the plants and animals, uh, within it. Yes. And further in, they run across this old, um, I don't know if it's a military or it's, it's an like- old, it's an old military base. They, they mentioned that that was the first base of the Southern reach when the, the shimmer first be- appeared around the lighthouse. Cause it's been expanding. Right. Yes. That's, that's one thing too. The ticking clock in this whole story is that the shimmer is constantly expanding. And so they have to figure out what's going on before this thing absorbs the, the planet. The planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But it's there that they find um, evidence that this is where the last expedition team was, the one that Oscar Isaac was a part of. Oh, and it they is. Find- before we get into that, it is important to mention that uh, Natalie Portman's character makes a point to not. Uh, tell the other members of the expedition oh, about yes. her relation to Oscar Isaac, Which except, I can't except remember, for Jennifer Jason Lee, who who knows. I don't remember exactly why that is. They don't want her to think that she's just there for personal reasons, right? I guess, right? That's so, that's like, basically it. Herself from the group. It does become a, a a major plot point later on, but yeah, when they get to the uh, the the old military base, they find uh, like an SD card. That's labeled like for the next expedition or, or for the ones who come after us or something like that. Right. And uh, so they they pop it in and they're watching it. And this is one of the probably most visceral scenes in this movie. Yeah, it's uh, as uh, we mentioned that this is a really bright movie. This video is there's only one source of light and I assume it's the light on the camera. Right. It's and, very found footage. Yeah, it's but like it doesn't it doesn't last too long. It doesn't no, it doesn't seem gimmicky. It's it's more than enough to put you in to that mood. And we see Oscar Isaac and a couple other soldiers um they they have some man pinned up like against the wall. They have him tied to a chair. Tied to a chair, and Oscar Isaac pulls out a knife and he starts cutting into the dude's belly. Uh, it's it's pretty stretched out. Like we see him cut into his entire like basically opening up a wi- like creating a window into this dude's guts as they remove the skin. And we oh man the. Uh, it's like his body cavity is full of like eels or tentacles right. or vines or something, but it's just like this huge like slithering white mass and like Oscar Isaac even like puts his hand in yeah, there he puts and his like hand in which and, like, I wonder how that it. soldier felt because <laughs> it's still as we've mentioned that something happens to the makeup of these creatures and the same thing is happening to these soldiers now it seems that they're um that something within their own body is being altered by being within the shimmer and so like that those those organs like that's i mean that's like part of him not just some creature that's invaded his belly right so they're they're all pretty pretty shaken except Uh, for Gina Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Well, I think I'd say she's arguably the most shaken because she refuses to acknowledge it for what it is. She's like, "Oh no, it's just a trick of the light." And that, like, they went, they went crazy. They just, uh, they went crazy and killed each other. And they're like, "Well, no, his stomach was like full of eels or whatever." She's like, "No, it was just a trick of the light." I did like like that. Everyone, because. It seemed everyone in the theater was really on board with it, so we were all like, we were hushed up when that when that guy was getting his chest open. We saw that everyone in the theater like, oh my god! And then for her to say it was a trick of the light, like we all <laughs> laughed. Like, did you not see what we just saw? <laughs> that, how could you trick that? How could you trick moving organs? Of course, that's her denial with it. Right? And, yeah. She she doesn't want to accept that something uh, so horrible could could be real but then they uh in the same building find the remains of this poor man at the bottom of a of an empty pool and he's just been turned into this uh i would say very geiger-esque uh yeah. fungus uh mural creation thing it's very hard to describe you get a glimpse of it in the trailer it's very thing-esque yeah yeah, yeah. and that's 
something I really loved about the production design of this movie is the use of the, these molds and fungi. Just it's all really vibrant, nat- natural and, growths, and yeah, like you said, vibrant, like rainbow colored. Which for some like this is not a particularly positive movie. I'd say it keeps a pretty dark tone it's throughout all of It's very bleak. It's extremely right. bleak, but I, I I appreciate that in the production design too, that everything is extremely colorful because like normally in something like this, everything would be like drab, like grays and browns right. and like just very gross. And it's like the, the structural makeup of a lot of these things are pretty nightmarish, but just very beautiful to look at because of the colors and i really appreciate that too that's something that i feel like uh alex garland was uh was really true to in the source material is like it's not quite so dramatic in the book uh all these kinds of like weird growths and things but it's described as a pristine wilderness with no trace of human beings okay i mean there's some some rundown buildings and stuff but they even make a point in the book that uh samples that they've taken from inside area x are completely devoid of any pollution whatsoever like any heavy metals any like carbon dioxide uh poisoning or anything like that like it's it's the whole area within is being reverted to its like natural state and Hmm. I think this this film does a really fantastic job of just capturing that sort of pristine wilderness. Rob Hardy is the cinematographer. He's the same one who did uh, Ex Machina. Okay. And he's done he's done some other films. Uh, nothing that I've ever seen or had heard of. I don't think. Um, but I thought the cinematography in Ex Machina was really gorgeous. So uh, and this was, is this is a step yeah. above too. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, but after this moment, they decide to set up camp in this base because they won't have, uh, they're losing daylight. They won't have time to move any further before it gets dark. Jennifer Jason Lee is on first shift. Uh, Natalie Portman comes down to talk with her character that's, that's, development that I really I I didn't, don't remember. I didn't mind that conversation too much because that's where they uh, explore more of the the themes of self-destruction. Yeah. That's where we learn that uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character has like terminal cancer or something. So is that when we learn it? I think so. Uh, I think Natalie Portman's like, "You're sick, aren't you?" And Jennifer Jason Lee was like, "How did you know?" She's like, "Oh, I guessed." Because at this point, uh, after discovering uh, the the mutated remains of this soldier, most of the most of them want to go back. They're like, "Fuck this." Uh, like, let's turn around. We've got data. We've got stuff to analyze. Uh, let's let's fucking go back to base. But uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is very uh, hell bent on getting to the lighthouse, and we discover that that's because she's terminally ill and she doesn't plan to come back from this expedition. That's why she volunteered in the first place. Right. But in that moment, there is noise from the outside of the base and we are introduced to probably one of the creepiest creatures I've seen in a movie in a very long time. It is a big black bear, but the face of the bear uh, like, like melted. It's, yeah, it's, it's like missing. down to it's yeah. like down to the down to the skull. I wouldn't say we're, we're we are introduced to it, but we don't really get a good 
You're impression right. That of it at this point. The face because you, yeah, they hear something. Natalie Portman takes out some night vision binoculars and she's like, oh, there's a huge fucking hole in the fence. Something came in. And then uh, other girl, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, I feel really so bad. bad. Uh, something large comes out of the darkness, uh, snatches her up, drags her off into the darkness and kills her. The next day they're moving on. Natalie Portman finds her body. Uh, with really f- uh, sucks to be a sci-fi red shirt, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, with the with the throat ripped out. Um, but Natalie Portman's the only one who sees the body, and she and Jennifer Jason Lee were the only ones who saw what took her. Um, eventually, they come to an abandoned town that is very overgrown, and oh yes, uh, and, they- and they find all of these uh, growths that are in like the shape of human beings with like arms and legs, um, and they're all in different colored flowers. Uh, uh, another extremely uh, nice visual, I think. And th- it's at this point where uh, I believe it's Tessa Thompson's character uh, who comes to the conclusion. That the shimmer is acting as a prism yes. that is refracting the DNA of everything within it, and that's and why... You, did you feel with Tessa Thompson, her direction was like, just wear glasses and speak quietly? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, a little, a like, little bit. I also, like, I, I think that concept is very cool, Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like she came to that conclusion with basically no provocation yeah i mean they foreshadow that a ton with natalie portman looking in her microscope multiple times and seeing like a normal cell and then a shimmer cell divide yeah 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 you see that like three or four times but tessa thompson doesn't have as much reason to right well she she basically only comes to that conclusion because they they see these weird uh humanoid plant growths and she's like oh well i bet if you took a dna sample of that then you would find like human hux genes which are basically the genes that tell humans what they're supposed to look like Uh, ha 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 so the shimmer is (laughs) refracting things like a prism it's like all right, I yeah, don't, no, I, don't I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you came up with that, but okay. I I honestly I, I think <laughs> that idea is one of the coolest concepts in this movie. Yeah, one of the coolest concepts in sci-fi in general, I would say. And uh, I not to I'm not going to go too into it, but I'd say it's a bit of an oversimplification of the of um the books, but that's also also like Alex Garland only read the first one and it's not really explored until the third one. So yeah, I I think that was a really cool concept. And it's at this point where uh, the prolonged exposure to the shimmer is wearing pretty heavily on all of them. Natalie Portman has like a mysterious bruise on her arm. Uh, Gina Rodriguez is seeing her like skin move and uh, she basically has a nervous break and in the middle of the night attacks them and ties them all up inside this house. And uh, she finds uh, Natalie Portman's convenient locket that has a picture of Oscar Isaac in it. So she's like, that's how she discovers that uh, he's related to her. And he's like, oh, well, how do we know that you didn't kill the other girl? Blah, 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 all this stuff. Uh, but then this this scene devolves into 
one of the most effective scenes in the entire movie. Yeah, because Gina Rodriguez is going nuts. She's looking at her hands earlier, and there's like stuff wiggling around. So she's she's freaking out that this this transformation has already started to occur. She thinks she's, that she thinks that what's happening to the soldier on the videotape is happening to her. Yeah, right. she's like, if you cut me open, will my insides be moving? But I'm the one with the knife. <laughs> yeah, and and you're all tied to chairs so right. she's gonna start like cutting them open and then she hears a scream from outside and it sounds like the scream of um the, the other girl, girl. The other girl. <laughs> that, that died and she's like you told me she was dead so she runs outside and uh then there's silence and then we hear the creature come in and it's that black bear with the melted face but it's not roaring it's screaming. It, it has screaming in the voice of that woman, which is fucking terrifying. God damn, yeah. It's it's really a very very scary scene because they're all helpless tied to chairs. It can't see cuz its face is melted, but it's like wandering around the room screaming in the voice of their killed comrade. The scene is really slow. It takes its time. You get a lot of time with it. The sound design is insanely good. Oh, yeah. It's and one of the grittiest scenes. <laughs> yeah, God. and that a, a fucking melted bear with the voice of a human is maybe one of the scariest movie monsters I've yeah, ever right. seen. Bears are already scary enough. This is a bear with a personality. <laughs> That's, uh-huh. It's more terrifying than an alligator with more teeth. It mauls the fuck out of Gina Rodriguez. Yes, because she we find out she was she was attacked, but she's not dead, and so she comes back in and starts firing at the bear, and the bear just absolutely destroys her. See, it's gory for, for people that have been listening to us and thinking like, "How is this a horror movie? This sounds like just like a sci-fi film." It's for moments like that. Yes, that that they're so effective. It's like, a sci-fi it's, thriller it's a, movie, but it's got. Horror elements yeah, out it's, the it's fucking asshole. Yeah, and this bear destroys her. She uh, like the the final killing blow. Uh, the bear rips her jaw out, and we see that happen. I I don't know. It's uh, the last time I've seen something so visceral. It's not as prolonged as uh, the Revenant, but I would say it's <laughs> oh, uh, God, yeah, right. it's more it's more brutal. This bear attack. Um, Much more brutal. Especially because it's a a melted, screaming human bear. Well, yeah, and it kind of comes out of left field more in this movie. Because you get... Yeah, Yeah, the Revenant is built up on the bear attack. Yeah. And I thought that was a great thing, too. This movie didn't market itself on the creatures or any of the threat. It sort of advertised itself more on the mystery of the Shimmer itself. That's nice. I didn't get any sort of... Any creatures spoiled for me in right. the movie? Because man, I mean, I was... you you get you get glimpses of them in the trailer. Like you get a glimpse of the bear, like when it comes into the room. And I think in the one of the trailers, you see them examining the alligator after it's been killed. But like, it really doesn't. Like you said, it doesn't market it too heavily towards that, uh, which is one of its strongest suits, honestly. Oh yeah, after Gina Rodriguez gets her jaw ripped off um the bear starts heading over towards uh tessa thompson's character 
I believe. Well, also, no, uh, that was before Gina Rodriguez came in. The bear was about to eat, like, her shoulder or something. But when Gina Rodriguez starts shooting at the bear, the bear knocks um, knocks the chairs over, and so they're able to right, escape. Right, so they're able to wriggle free, and, and then they shoot it. I think it's attacking, attacking, it's attacking Natalie, Natalie, Natalie Portman, Portman, and then which, Tessa Thompson shoots it. Right, in right in the face, close range, yeah. and we see that the fucker's face blow up. Yeah, that's, how, that's how you fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. And then they, uh, they, once again, I don't know how they come to this conclusion, but they hypothesize that... When the bear killed their friend, that like it absorbed part of her like consciousness or something. Yeah, like uh, she's less which, of a scientist. It's like which they brought seemed, a poet. <laughs> yeah, which seemed like uh, an explanation that I did not need. I was yeah. comfortable enough. Uh, yeah. Knowing. Well, the the explanation was kind of not the best dialogue either. They're like. Can you imagine if uh, the only thing part of you that lived was your feelings of pain and agony? I sure wouldn't want yeah, to right, feel right, like right. that. <laughs> fucking surprise! <laughs> no one would want that. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right on that. It's yeah, that was another one of those little corny moments. And then after that, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee uh, up and leaves. Yeah, on she's her like, own. "Fuck you guys! If you're all too scared, I'm just gonna go to the lighthouse myself." Right, and then the next day, uh, uh, Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson are talking. Tessa Thompson says that she doesn't want to leave the Shimmer, nor does she want to, like, fight what it's doing to them. She sort of uh, accepted her fate, and she gets up and walks off, and as she does, we see, like, vines and flowers, like, starting to sprout from under her skin. She, uh, turns into the swamp thing. She turns into the swamp thing. <laughs> well, she, uh, she goes around a corner or something, and Natalie Portman follows her, and she's gone. It's just, like, a field of these, uh... Uh, humanoid uh, flower growths. So I don't know if she turned into one of those or yeah. Just it's assumed it's, that yeah. It's uh yeah. Unless wait, she's she's just walking I, around uh, with vines on her hands. And I that's it. I thought that that was uh. Uh, a very nice uh, dichotomy to the previous scene with the bear, which is so, like, dark and gritty and visceral and scary. And then the next scene is Tessa Thompson sort of just, like... Walking into... Just walking into a field of flower peoples yeah. and becoming one of them. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, the the Swamp Thing comparison was mostly a joke, but there has been uh, talks of... Uh, of a Swamp Thing a swamp remake. Thing <laughs> remake done by this director. Oh, I, um, yeah, I would be so okay Which I'm that. actually really intrigued by, because, you know, a lot of the themes of the Alan Moore Swamp Thing are, like, the creature being one with nature and kind of the consciousness being in between this organic world and humanity. Oh. Well, after I didn't know there was... I, that, those themes are kind of meshed with this idea that Tessa Thompson's character goes through. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool mm. element that might be a good thing to explore it's, more. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's after a thing, thing you know, I'm pretty much on board with whatever he wants to do at this point. <laughs> like, after Ex Machina and after this, like, I'm so sold on him. 
And I mean, even before that, like he wrote 28 Days Later. Yeah, I love uh, that movie. Which is a great movie. Yeah, it's really and good. Uh, Sunshine, which is a movie it's that okay. it has some, <laughs> it kind of falls apart in the last act, but I think it has a lot of really, really good elements, and I still overall yeah, enjoy half it. Half of Sunshine is great. <laughs> I, would, I would even say two thirds of Sunshine is great. It's all. But not the eye. <laughs> Man, I really love I really love Sunsh. <laughs> Um, uh, but like, yeah, Alex Garland has proven that he is uh, an extremely capable filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, I was skeptical of Swamp Thing in general. I had seen the '80s movie, but last year I read through the Alan Moore graphic novel comic book. Yeah, I'm you familiar know, like, with it, but I've never read it. I think the only Alan Moore shit that I've read is uh, Watchmen. It's actually really good. It uh, explores kind of these broader ideas. And some of them are kind of mirrored in this movie, actually. And I think I think having the same director do Swamp Thing is actually a really cool idea. And I, I hope he does it. I hope they let him do it after this uh, middling annihilation box office. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I think that... Uh, Annihilation is is a far better film than what the box office reflects. Not that I'm really surprised. Like I remember seeing Ex Machina in one of our local indie theaters. Like it didn't even really get like a wide theatrical release. Yeah, I mean, so, we are in Black Panther mania. Right, right, now, right, so. right. I, I, and the this movie was marketed really weird. So I'm not surprised that it. Uh, it didn't do super great in the box office, but it's been getting good critical acclaim, uh, which I think it deserves. I, I think it's going to be one of those things, you know, like it'll, it'll, its audience will find it as time goes on. I don't yeah. think it's, it's, I don't think it's a big deal that it didn't do super great in the box office. Like it, it'll get its recognition for sure. Uh, I think we can definitely expect to see uh, either a, a cinematography or like uh, art direction or art design nomination at the, so. at the Oscars next year, or maybe a, a best adapted screenplay. I can see that. Uh, I can as see well. that. The only thing left to talk about in this movie is kind of the end. Yeah, I was yes, going to say. Natalie Portman should... goes on to uh, the lighthouse. Um, and yeah, if uh, you normally listen to our podcast, you know that we usually we we go into spoiler territory a lot. But since this is a new release, and this is when I think we highly recommend not knowing uh, everything about. Yes, when you see it. So I want to give a particular disclaimer that if this is a movie that you plan on seeing, it, the ending is really best gone into not knowing what what you're coming into. So if this is something you've already seen or you just want to listen to us talk about it, then by all means continue. But if this is something, I think this is something that should not be spoiled. So I would recommend if you've not seen this movie, stop Here, listening here's a here. Thought. Should we uh, rate it now and then jump into spoilers? Uh, so, I think maybe just say if we recommend it or not. Yes. Just, well, I, w- I would recommend it. I think it's, it. it's, I it's pretty clear recommend. that we all yeah. recommend this so, movie. It's, it's just very if, good. If you want to know more about it, continue listening. But if you want to be surprised... Otherwise, otherwise, come back to this after you've seen the movie. Yes. Go watch it. Fast. Yeah, so Absolutely go see it. Final spoiler warning. You have <laughs> yeah, been we, warned. Um, But yeah, so Natalie Portman gets to the lighthouse and it begins like she on the inside. She discovers a uh, 
burned a human corpse uh, and a camcorder set up on a tripod. As she watches, uh, she turns on the camera and uh, sees that uh, it is her husband sitting there. Um, He talks about some stuff. Yeah, just some stuff. Um, I, don't, also, I don't remember exactly. He, he seems to have a southern accent, which maybe he had which throughout I the rest of the movie, but I never caught on. I never caught the accent, but in that scene, he did seem to have a southern accent, yeah, which and was, I was like, kind of weird. That's not Oscar Isaac's character, is it? And then it was. But and... yeah, he takes a, uh, a white phosphorus grenade and pulls the pin and just holds it as he sits on the floor. And uh, before he does, he says to somebody behind the camera, find Lena, which is Natalie Portman's character's name. And after he is burned to death, the person from behind the camera steps out, and it is Oscar Isaac. Bum, bum, bum! It is, it is, his, it is his doppelganger. So after she sees this, uh, she hears some voices coming from uh, a hole in the a ground nice in the corner fuzzy, of the White moldy House. Hole. A hole with some very, once again, very Geiger-esque uh, growths coming out of it. And uh, she decides to enter into this chamber under the lighthouse, which looks very much like the inside of the hive in Aliens. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's really... You know, it's got that very kind of, like, biological, like, ribbed walls. Ribbed corridors. Yeah, Yeah. um, and she discovers Jennifer Jason Leigh by herself down there. Faceless. Faceless at Fa- first. Yeah. Right, and then but then when she turns around, she has a back. She has a face, and she says to Natalie Portman, uh, it's it's inside me. It's It will be inside all of us. Uh, something like that. And then the shit gets uh, <laughs> like a really bad acid trip. Yeah, I... <laughs> I honestly can say the last time I've seen something so fascinating. It's on from screen, this, yeah. But... It's from this point to the end that I was absolutely <laughs> the, just the, enraptured. The, the bubble we get in particular. Oh is... no, that's the that bubble itself. Like I, I would recommend seeing this film for the bubble just in itself. Like I want to watch that movie again just. To I want to see the end again because well, Jennifer hell. Jason Lee begins to essentially disintegrate disintegrate her cells <laughs> into yeah all these just like floating streams of color and like little orbs and stuff flying around which then like coalesces into this I guess bubble. It's hard. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard, hard to describe. It's, I think it's basically impossible to describe. It's like a tesseract, sort of. Like it's rippling and moving and changing. Uh, if you've ever seen those videos of a uh, oh god, what it's what, what is it called? The Mandelbrot. Yeah, like, like fractals. The, yeah, where like it keep as the further you can keep descending further into it, and it will keep providing new shapes and colors. Yeah. Like that's sort of the um, the the visual that this bubble makes. It's it's it, it is. Uh, I think that this is maybe uh, the best, most fascinating cinematic depiction of alien life that I've ever seen. 
because oh, yeah. usually, you know, with your standard sci-fi, things like Star Wars, Star Trek, plenty of other things. They're just humans with fucked up noses. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're vaguely humanoid. They, they walk on two feet or they look like bugs or something. They look like something recognizable from this planet, something that we have context for. But this thing is truly alien. That's a that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's uh... it's in it's incomprehensible sort of, um, and it is in the book as well. Uh, and it's the kind of thing that you can't really describe with words very well. And I wondered how Alex Garland was going to handle that, and I I think he really really nailed it yeah certainly whatever it may have been like i don't know how much it may deviate but i thought that was fantastic and as natalie portman is in awe of this image uh, certainly much like most of the audience i assume a bit of blood from uh her face drops into the bubble and the bubble starts changing it uh begins to take an actual form and it's in the form of uh oh god what's what's the name of the alien or the robot from day the earth stood, stood still clatu clatu yeah I, I was getting like clatu vibes from it, it i was me of, i was uh, getting chris cunningham music <laughs> it reminded me of like the fucking latex gimp man from uh, american horror story uh, well because it's based it's it's a human a human shape without any features right and, rainbow man and it's and it's yeah, its skin is like the same kind of like black, rainbowy, oily. Uh, yeah, the Pepsi Man. The Pepsi Man. It's, oh, it's the Pepsi Man. There we go. <laughs> the Pepsi Man is the cause of the shimmer. <laughs> the Pepsi Man is the true oh, villain. Fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, then the, this this thing, which is basically uh, a mirror image of Natalie Portman, but unfinished. She begins to to fight with it, or to I don't know if it's really a fight, but more like a like a struggle. Right, but it, but it mirrors her movements exactly, so it yeah. feels sort of like a like a dance. And it's great too because we see that it's not exact. It's not like he's reading her motions. He's trying, or, well, whatever it is, the alien is trying its best to follow her movements, even when. He uh, he can't tell them for sure. Which yeah, this I is was really this cool. is part of the sequence where I'm I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it, only because you know the movie has all these big ideas, and to sum it up with you know a simple human like monster at the end, I I feel like by showing us that and not just leaving it to our imagination, it takes away from it a little bit, and you have this mirror sequence which. For me, the 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 most amazing part of that whole sequence was the music. Oh yes, yes. the music was, was, was incredible. Absolutely, in, that part. in this in this whole sequence, yeah. up from when Jennifer Jason Lee starts to disintegrate, like this whole sequence, the score is. I was actually listening to it earlier. the The track is called "The Alien." I, I already yeah. I already have it on yeah. my Spotify. <laughs> no, nice. tr- trust yeah, me, I, uh, I, I've been listening to the soundtrack basically yeah, nonstop the, since. Yeah, that yeah. whole music section is incredible. I, but I think the mirror sequence. You know, the only other time we see mirror sequences in movies is basically in slapstick comedy. <laughs> I, I think of like 
the 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 Buster Keaton bit. I think it's Buster Keaton. Maybe it's Chaplin, but where it's uh, a fake mirror. I okay. uh, I certainly I know um, what sort of thing you're talking about. I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I I actually uh, really disagree that the I. I was uncertain um, when we first saw it, but I've been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of days, and I I think that that sequence is actually very necessary to the story for multiple reasons. One, because it is very much a visual representation of that idea of like self-destruction that the movie is getting at because she's essentially fighting with herself. So there there's that aspect of it. And, and it's also there to show. And how do you fight something that's mirroring your every move exactly? You yeah, know? I guess I guess it was undercut a little bit by the tripod bit with Oscar Isaac because he wasn't being mirrored. Sure, sure. But you know? what I that's a good point. But yeah. what I what another reason what I think is that uh, like Eugene mentioned that every now and then the aliens movements are slightly off it's imperfect you know this is a movie about like scientists investigating a phenomenon they make a point that every other expedition that's gone into the shimmer has been military this is the first time they've brought in scientists and i also sort of see this alien creature as maybe scientist is too much of an oversimplification, but it's trying to learn about. Sure, yeah, us. I, I I like the, and the idea that it's kind of learning how to be human by mirroring, right? And it shows but like I I just think it's kind of weird how it wasn't mirroring Oscar Isaac. I don't know. I feel like. Well, I feel like what what is implied, at least to me, is at a certain point she she like touches it and it changes its skin and becomes her exactly, not just this weird uh, like featureless figure. Oh yeah, and at I that get, point, I get the it feeling really copy her. I, right, I get the feeling that like whenever it mirrors somebody like this, it has to take some time to get comfortable with it. And that at the time we see Oscar Isaac's uh, doppelganger is that after that time has passed, this this seems to be the first time that somebody really fights back, you know? So I, I, I get the impression that had Natalie Portman not fought and had just uh, sort of existed with this creature, that it would have eventually like matched her movements and like sort of copied her exactly. I feel like yeah. it was it was going through a process. Yeah, the the counterpoint I would make is throughout the movie you see the Shimmer kind of consume people into themselves. Yes, where this one kind of just duplicates. Sure. So I I think it would be a cool idea to see Natalie Portman, you know, go through the whole transformation on her own. I think that the idea of internalizing the alien would have been much more interesting than simply having a human figure mirroring. I think I think it works because of the music. The elements before it, the the bubble especially is so great that it kind of carries the rest of the movie. Yeah. 
but I think it's weak in comparison to the bubble. And uh, in terms of internal logic with the movie, I don't know how well it really meshes. I see. I see where you're coming from. I think I still disagree. I don't. I don't think you're wrong, and I don't think I'm wrong. I think it just impacted us in different ways. Because I was not thinking about any of that while it was happening. I was so enraptured. Well, yeah, the spectacle is is, is amazing throughout yeah, the whole sequence. And I, and I I think it's pretty perfect in terms of the way it's executed. And so for me, I didn't feel like that was undercutting anything. I found that scene so so weirdly visceral for just fighting like a, a featureless like humanoid figure that like mirrors her i i found i found it so kind of horrifying i i just feel like if they would have implied a little bit more of that final scene it would have been more impactful if they would have left a little bit more to the imagination because they show a lot and it's great yeah how they show it but there's not as much mystery to it. I suppose you see that. I suppose so, but I think I think there's still plenty of mystery to it because you still it doesn't give you any better an understanding of the aliens motivations. You know, it really does feel like it's just experimenting. It feels like the entire shimmer is like one big experiment. You know, this alien life form has crashed, landed on a planet that is obviously totally different than wherever it comes from. And through its own unknowable processes it's it's figuring things out it's experimenting with our world and it feels very much like that's what's happening in that last scene and it something is i i think there's something that particularly effective in the the familiarity that you get from it but it's still so alien you know it's like a distortion of something you recognize but you still don't understand sure it, you yeah know I, I, mean? I i understand that i i just feel like it's a little on the nose when it's duplicating in comparison to how much of the movie beforehand was the idea of it working as you know a sort of prism that it's kind of it's duplicating in a way but it's doing it through it's, the, it's ref, it's the organic element yeah it's, it's refracting. refracting not reflecting yeah yeah and to to change that right at the end seems kind of weird i suppose so um, um it didn't uh it still worked as a whole for me like the movie but i i just thought it was a weird element for sure and i think that's fine i i totally 100 percent understand where you're coming from i disagree still but i i think the effectiveness of that scene really c will come down to the individual like how they it, how they feel yeah and it. regardless it's a visual trip it's, yes it's, 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 it's that this the last like 10 15 minutes of the movie is uh is like the worst acid trip I've ever had in the best way. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's some of the the most spectacular cinema I've maybe ever seen in my life. You know, they talk about movies that are just spectacle, like something bullshit like Avatar. You know, the only reason it's so successful is because it's spectacle, and when you strip the spectacle away, it's just hollow. 
but yeah. this is not something that I that I felt that way about. Yeah, they they bring conceptual ideas to it, which I appreciate. But the spectacle um, is spectacular. Yeah, no, the, specta- the spectacle is great. To wrap this scene out, uh, she ends it by grabbing a, a phosphorus grenade from Oscar Isaac's discarded bag. She pulls the pin and she like hands it to the the alien. And that's when it takes on her skin, too, and mimics her exactly. And then she runs off, and it catches fire, and the whole lighthouse starts burning, and everything starts collapsing, and the shimmer sucks back into the middle, and we think that that's the end of it. She's And then she's back at the southern reach. Yeah, I thought it was cool how, like, the alien kind of absorbed the energy of the yeah, grenade. I thought that whole scene was great. Like once Natalie Portman runs out, and we just get a couple of minutes of like the alien just sort of like standing there, and like its arms are on fire, and it sort of like crawls back down into its hole, and then all of that shit starts to catch on fire. Uh, yeah, it's it like it like absorbs the the energy of the grenade, and then kind of like projects it outward. We get Natalie Portman back at the Southern Reach. Uh, Benedict Wong, the Michelin Man, finishes uh, interrogating her, and she goes to see Oscar Isaac, who has uh, remarkably uh, gotten better during uh, as soon as the shimmer collapsed. Like his his whole body stabilizes, and and he's okay now. And she goes in to see him. She says, you're not Kane, are you? And he looks at her and says, I don't think so. And then they embrace, and the last shots we get are their eyes, and the irises are changing color and shimmering, The just like the shimmer. Yeah, I thought that was a cool concept. I At the same time, like I was saying before, I think having that alone might have worked a little better than having the mirror man because it implies the refraction internal, you know, alien right. idea a little better than the the mirror man did, but I I think it works. Well, here's way. here's my theory too, and this is something that I thought about for a while cuz the the question is of course Natalie Portman escaped, why is she ex- uh like showing the same signs of being a doppelganger like Oscar Isaac is. Because then he he asks her, like, are you Lena? And she doesn't answer him. They just hug. My theory is that, and this is totally spitballing, and it doesn't need an answer, but my theory is that when she touched the mirror man, when she handed it the grenade, something in that contact sort of made them switch places. Hmm. Interesting. That's that's my that's my hypothesis. Is that because that it's in that moment that the mirror man looks exactly like her that it that it finishes its mimicry. I think that there is some kind of transference of consciousness between the two of them because they'd already explored that idea with uh, the bear and like taking on an aspect of the consciousness of what it killed. Yeah, I I think it works with the themes of self-destruction. Right. So it's, you know, it's nothing that's explicitly stated, nor does it need one. And uh, my explanation doesn't have to apply for other people. I just thought that that that's what it meant to me. I I think that that's uh, a really cool idea 
because you know after she burns down the lighthouse it's like oh well the shimmer's gone okay we've like we 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 stopped it we saved the world but Oscar Isaac and Natalie Portman are clearly not who they seem to be. She even says uh, in her conversation with Benedict Wong, like, I don't think it was destroying things. It was making something new. I, I think that that also goes into my whole idea of the alien, like, experimenting. Like, it's, it is trying to create something that is more recognizable to it than it is to us. So I think the uh, the idea of annihilation in the title is not so much about uh, a, a literal annihilation of things Even, being uh, destroyed. Jennifer Jason Lee says uh, total annihilation at one point in the right. movie. Right. Well, that's a that was a, a callback to the book. I won't get okay. t- I won't get too heavy into that. But in the book, there's uh, there's an element of uh, hypnosis. They put all of the people who go into Area X under hypnosis, and they do like hypnotic conditioning beforehand. And Jennifer Jason Lee's character, or her equivalent in the book, uh, has phrases that like trigger certain things in the people that she's hypnotized. And in the book, when when she uses the phrase annihilation, it's supposed to. Uh, compel the person to immediately kill themselves. Oh, interesting. Uh, which doesn't end up working on the protagonist in the book because she's been exposed to the alien and the hypnotic conditioning has uh, no no longer has any effect. But once again, I'm not trying to c- compare too heavily to the book. But even in the book, like the 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 idea of annihilation is not a literal annihilation; it's a self destruction. Um, and I think that that's mirrored really nicely, uh, in this movie. Cause it isn't like a, a, a literal annihilation, except maybe for Jennifer Jason Lee, because she does get literally annihilated. <laughs> I mean, the ending is still very bleak. The idea that they didn't really accomplish anything. Yeah. They didn't really defeat the aliens or anything. Right. Um, uh, which I really like. I, I like that it left it kind of ambiguous, but at the same time, on a downer note right i i like i like that alex garland kind of leaves things open to interpretation it reminded me a lot of the ending of ex machina so i i like that sort of it it plants these seeds in your head and sort of leaves you to process them on your own however you will this is not a movie that spoon feeds you too much some of the like the character development and the exposition is does spoon feed you a bit but yeah but that's I, all sort of an aside to <clears throat> the other themes of the movie so it doesn't yeah really i would say somewhat similar to ex machina the strengths of the broader bigger ideas and concepts of the movie work a lot better than the smaller details yes this movie especially with the dialogue and the uh, handling of exposition it's kind of clumsy, but the broader ideas at work and uh, the uh, visuals and music of the whole movie kind of elevate it beyond absolutely the, the material. I I also really enjoyed uh, the the beginning of the credits with sort of like these uh, very acid trippy uh, like 
colorful tessellations and shit like that. I thought that was a really, really nice way to wrap it up. It was definitely the kind of movie where, like, once it was over, I kind of just had to, like, sit there for a second and, like, process what I had just experienced. And those are my favorite kind of movies. I don't like movies where I'm like, okay, it's over, getting right up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I like I like things that I have to kind of sit on. And I've... I've really been ruminating on this movie a lot since we saw it, and I, I think that really speaks to its credit, is that it's it's an experience that is uh, vague in a lot of ways. It leaves you with a lot of questions, but it definitely stays with you, I think. I don't know about for you guys, but it's really stayed with me. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack and think about in this movie. Should we uh should we go yeah, into ratings? We should jump into ratings. I'll I'll start this one just to recap a little bit. Uh the 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 first act of the movie, the setup is kind of clumsy and initially I was on the fence about it while I was watching this. I was uh it was making me a little bit worried, but it really tightens up a lot and picks up once they get into the shimmer and then by the end like the incompetence of some of the stuff in the beginning is just totally lost in in the climax. Just the way that uh everything works together, the production design, the cinematography, the music. Uh I think the acting is pretty solid. Nothing fantastic, but solid. Um, just overall, I found this a really, uh, really incredible cinematic experience, something that I want to see again, uh, probably a few times before I really unpack some of the stuff and just for the lasting effect and what this movie accomplishes, I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Yeah. Well, I was pretty, uh, harsh in my critique throughout this review. A lot of it is justified. You know, I think the movie kind of stumbles through its first 30, 40 minutes. And it's kind of a slog in the beginning with all the exposition and, you know, the the, the dialogue, especially in the beginning exposition and introduction of the characters is kind of clumsy. But, you know, as a whole, the movie is still pretty incredible. The uh, visuals alone are worthy of seeing the the music and especially the third act are incredible. Um, I do have, you know, some minor gripes about parts of the third act, uh, but I think as a whole, it's definitely worth checking out for the cinematography and the the music, as well as, you know, the greater concepts of an alien refracting organic life and uh, reshaping it is one of the coolest uh, sci-fi ideas I've seen in a movie recently. Um, so with the minor problems I have, I will probably give it a four out of five. For me, I think that everything worked for its benefit. Even the beginning, I didn't, I wasn't particularly bored by it all or felt it was terribly clumsy. I just thought it was all for the sake of trying to set this whole situation up before actually diving into it. My biggest issue is just with the dialogue, which is sad because I remember that being one of my favorite things about Ex Machina. Absolutely. Is that uh, it's just so gripping, and all of that movie is basically conversation. It's a much uh, smaller scale story, though, in Ex Machina. You That's know, it's true. like three people in an isolated location. Uh, but even with for sure in, though I in I, terms I of like from. just uh, the whole like self destructive nature of humans and all that I fe I felt it wasn't delivered very well considering um, how uh, they conveyed those ideas 
But there are just so many things this movie did right. Uh, again, I could recommend this movie just on the the bubble itself because it's one of the most fascinating visuals in a movie I've seen in a very long time. So outside of the dialogue, um, I still think it has a whole lot going for it. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a five out of five. I would highly recommend this All to right. anyone that is looking for a sci-fi movie with that that's great to look at, but also something you can think about. So that gives Annihilation an average rating of four and a half pods out of five. You know, I I think that this is something that is going... It's going to be a different experience for me the next time I watch it um, and on all future rewatches. Like, you know, when I first saw Ex Machina, I had a couple of minor gripes with it that I eventually lost over time. So, you know, this might be... The same kind of thing for me that the more times I watch it, you know, my my little problems with it go away just because of what it's doing as a whole. So, you know, maybe maybe uh, a couple months down the road, I would revise my rating to five out of five, too, because that's basically what I did with Ex Machina. Um, I think this is a, a resounding recommendation from all of us. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we're still early in the year. But it's going to be hard for uh, movies in this upcoming year to top the kind of experience that I got from this movie. It's definitely uh, top of my list for 2018 so far. Yeah, I mean, we're still very early in the year, but I think we're in for a pretty solid movie year i I, mean, I I sure hope so i thought mom and dad was really good and i think this movie is really good and i i'm impressed with what we've got so far i yeah. hope the consistency same stays pretty good i mean cloverfield paradox not so hot a whiff but, but uh uh yeah yeah i guess we'll see what what is to come we're gonna try to keep up with some newer movies with these little uh mini pods that we're doing I guess that brings us to the end of this one. I'm not sure exactly what we're uh, what we're doing next. We might do one more little mini pod before we get back to a uh, long form episode. Stay stay tuned. We'll we'll have something good for you uh, coming along here soon. Regardless, if you like the show, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just take just take a few seconds out of your day to do that. That would uh, really help us out a lot. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Pod People Pod. Engage with us. Tell us some stuff that you want to see. Uh, if you disagree with us, let us know. We're uh, not at all shy for some uh, some friendly or unfriendly discourse. But um, you know, we we definitely want to hear from the listeners and. Uh, you know, see what you'd like to to hear going forward. You can follow my personal Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome if you, you're into that sort of thing. I'm at Mr. Sheets on Twitter. Anything you want to plug, Eugene? Uh, no, not for me. I would just say go check out Annihilation. It yeah, is, absolutely. Go great. see Annihilation. Yeah. Talk talk to us about Annihilation. We've obviously got uh, a lot of thoughts on it, and we'd really like to hear some of y'all's thoughts because uh, I think this is a movie that is going to affect everybody in a different way. The show is produced by Ben and edited by me. Ben is the artist behind our dank theme music. So uh, big ups for that. As always, check out his music on Spotify, Bandcamp. Is it anywhere else? Uh, no. 
Maybe. Spotify Spotify and Bandcamp <laughs> definitely uh eaten by nostalgia. Check that out. Some some good dank shit. Um and we'll be back with something. Stay tuned. Keep those ear holes open. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Ben Sheets. And I'm the Pepsi Man. I will absorb your bodies and give alligators more teeth. Oh, no. <laughs> alligators have enough teeth. Annihilation. Annihilation. Annihilation.